turn with me to Luke chapter 24. That's where we're going to be. Um, I had a couple of people come up to me. As you see, I'm, I don't have my crutches with me today. Uh, I've been walking without them most of the week. And two or three people came up to me and they said, are you preaching on Jesus healing the crippled man? And no, I am not. So I just want to make that clear. Um, I'm actually preaching about just what Bobby and Chris sing about. Um, but I, I came across this passage uh, in preparation for my Wednesday night Bible study this week. And it just kind of stuck out to me. and I thought it was really cool. So I was like, I'm going to preach on that. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Jesus. And uh, that's what our Bible study is about, is the Bible being about all about Jesus. So that's what we're going to talk about today. If you would read with me, starting in verse 36 of Luke chapter 24. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why did doubts arise in your heart? See my hands, see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and he showed them his feet. And while they still disbelieved for the joy and they were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and he ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything is written about me and the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending a promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much uh, that that we can come and meet in your house, God, and that we can worship together. I thank you so much for the blessing that it was to to hear Chris and Bobby sing that song about how awesome you are and and the hope that we have in you. And I just pray that you make that real to us, God, today as we we look at the text and, and we talk about that same hope, God, that we have in you, that you would just delight our hearts in that, knowing that that in you is our only hope of salvation, God. We're, we're lost without you, and we need you more than, than life itself, God. So just make that real to us, and just help us to understand the text. Um, I pray that you would excite our hearts today. In your name we pray, amen. All right, so before we get too far into our passage this morning, I want to uh, do a little bit of backstory and get some context We kind of jump in in the middle of chapter 24. So I want to go back and talk about a few things prior. Um, There's a bunch of big events that have just taken place here. Uh, Jesus's death has just happened. So that's something we need to keep in mind. A huge historical event. Everybody's talking about it. Another thing that's just happened that's kind of peculiar is there's no body in the tomb. Okay, so that's that's some exciting news. And uh, everybody's kind of confused and they don't know what's going on there. Some people think that the body's been stolen. Some people think that uh, the disciples took it and they're just messing with everybody. So there's a bunch of huge historical things that are going on and we need to keep those in mind. Earlier in our passage, there's two men walking on the road to Emmaus and uh, they're talking about these things. They're, they're talking about, everybody's talking about these things, but um, we get a, a 
a glimpse into their conversation and Jesus shows up and he's talking about these things with them. Okay, so he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And, and they start telling him what's going on. And then he starts to divulge more information than they even know to them. Okay, so uh, they're walking with Jesus and talking about Jesus, but they don't realize that they're with Jesus. Um, and then they get to uh, a house to eat. And when he prays and breaks bread, it opens their eyes and they see that it's Jesus. And then he vanishes. Okay, so um, where our story picks up today is those same two men, after they realize that they were with Jesus, they go back to the disciples and they're telling the disciples all about this. So when our story says, and they, they talked about these things, that's the things that they're talking about. That's, that's what they're discussing. So... Um, that's the things they're talking about. That's the context of the story. And this, I know that you've had this happen to you. Okay, so they're talking about Jesus and he comes into the room. Have you ever had that talk and you're talking about someone behind their back and then they come into the room with you? That's what happens here. And uh, that's, that's one of the most miserable things to have happen. You, you know, you're talking about something and you don't want someone to hear it. And then sure enough, they show up and catch part of your conversation. Well, that's exactly what's happening here, except probably a thousand times more unexpected. Because, I mean, I've, I've had people walk in on conversations. But I, I've never had anybody who's died come back and walk in on a conversation when I'm talking about them. So I'm sure that that was pretty awkward. Um, so that's what happens. And the, the disciples react just like we would react. They, you know, they kind of freak out. They, everybody gets quiet. They don't know what's going on. Nobody knows what to say. But luckily, Jesus has some stuff to say. So there's not that really bad, awkward silence. So um, I want to start off today with kind of a, it's kind of a weird question, honestly. Um, I, just imagine with me for a second. Just pretend for a second that you're dead, okay? That you... That you passed away, that you uh, that that you have lost all life, and that they they had your funeral, um, they they buried you, um, and it was beautiful. Everybody showed up, and you know everybody cried. It was just a beautiful uh, reception and everything. So you you've had your funeral, you're buried, you're dead, and then by some miraculous happening. You, you regain life, okay? So you're brought back to life. You, you're, you get your, your same body back, not like a zombie or anything, but like your flesh and blood body. And, and you can get out and do the same things you did before. And you can talk to people. You can eat. You can converse. So I want to ask you a question. If that scenario happened to you, what is the very first thing you would do? Okay? So I was asking this to some people. And uh, one person was like, I'd take a shower. Okay, that's probably, that's probably some good advice. If you've been dead for a while, you know, get up and take a shower. Uh, but I, then I, I asked him again. I was like, no, what is, what's important to you? What's the first thing you're going to go do? And uh, I, I was thinking about this. I would, I would go see my mom and dad. That's the first thing I would do uh, right now. I, I just, you know, if, if I came back to life, I'd go see what they're doing. You know, I'd, I'd explain what happened. And then, you know, by some miracle, I'm back. Um, some people would go hang out with their friends. They'd say, hey, let's go to the lake. Let's get on some jet skis. I'm, I'm alive. I want to do some fun stuff. Let's go golfing. I don't think golfing's fun, but some people do. Um, but let's do some fun stuff. Um, I was thinking there's probably guys, if they had businesses, that's the first place they go is to make sure their business was still alive and make sure that maybe their kids that inherited it didn't ruin it for them. You know, they'd be like, I'm going to check on my business and make sure it's still functioning and we're still meeting goals. Um, And the reason I asked that strange question is because this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus, uh, he was dead. He was buried. and, And now he's back to life, flesh and bone. 
And I think that the very first thing Jesus does is going to express that it's very important to him, that it's of the utmost priority to him. So um, that's the point of that question. So what is the priority to Jesus? Well, we're going to start off and we're going to look in verse 36. And before Jesus can kind of tell his message to the disciples and and bring them what is most important to him, he's going to kind of lay the ground before he can do that. So starting in verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. And they were startled and frightened and they thought they saw a spirit. Okay, so the two men from Emmaus are explaining everything to them. Jesus shows up. They're freaking out. They think he's a ghost. They don't understand that he's actually physically there. So the first thing that he does is he wants to tell them who he is. He wants them to understand that, hey, I'm, I'm not some ghost. I'm not some spirit. I am flesh and blood Jesus, the, the same Jesus that was on the cross. And I want to bring you guys a message. And um, I was thinking about kind of a funny story. When I was in middle school, I, I had made this kid named Patrick really mad. And I cannot remember. I would tell you guys if I did, but I don't remember what I did to him or what I said to him. Um, I was pretty honored when I was younger, so it could have been anything. But um, anyways, I, I made him really upset. And uh, Patrick was going to beat me up, okay? I, I just had heard this from many kids. P- kids would come to me in group and be like, hey, you're going to get beat up tomorrow by Patrick because of what you did. So I got really nervous and you know, I was kind of afraid. And I, was, I was thinking, what am I going to do? How am I going to not get beat up by Patrick? So I go home and I ask the wisest person I know, my mom, okay, how do I not get beat up by Patrick? And she says, all right, here's what you're going to do. You're going to call him. And you're going to apologize. I was like, that's brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? So my mom, we get the phone book out. We, we look up uh, Patrick. Uh, I call Patrick and I, I talk to him. I say, Patrick, I'm sorry um, that I did what I did. I, you know, would you forgive me? Could you not punch me? You know, that, that was my message to him. I wanted to uh, uh, bring a message to Patrick, apologize to Patrick. And as soon as I got done apologizing to him, um, he said something strange that caught me off guard. He says, I don't even know who you are. So then I got even more nervous because I didn't want to apologize to Patrick and still get beat up by Patrick. That would have been terrible. So then I started to try to clarify who I am by describing myself. So I said, Patrick, I sat behind you three rows in third hour. I'm the, I'm the fat kid with kind of puffy hair. And he's like, no, man, I, I don't know who, what you're talking about. And I was like, um, okay, Patrick, I, I always get in trouble by the end of class for some portion for writing on my desk or throwing papers at people. And he's like, no. I was like, I can, I'm, I'm really chunky and I can do the splits. I tried out for cheerleading. Surely that should stand out to Patrick. And no, he, he didn't get it. So um, after I keep trying to describe myself to him, and then I realized I had the wrong number. So after, after all this description and embarrassing things, I had called a Patrick that was in my school, but he was a grade above me. And his last name only differed by one letter from the Patrick that I was trying to call. So it's just weird circumstances. And my mom said, all right. And she got the phone book back out. And I said, no, I will get beat up tomorrow at school. I'm not making another phone call. And I never got beat up, but I, I wasn't about to go through that again. But the, the point there is that um, when, when you want to get a message across to somebody, you want them to know who it's coming from so that it'll matter. You know, if, if, if we have someone that we don't know or we don't even recognize and they bring us a message, we're not we're not to be too, you know, attentive or listen. It's not going to mean so much to us. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's he wants to, to deliver them a message. 
and he wants them to see that it is, uh, man, I did good. I didn't even use this. Use my notes all the time. Um, but he, he wants them to understand who he is. And that's what he says. He says, look at my hands. Look at my feet. You see, I was just on the cross. I'm that same Jesus. He says, I'm the same Jesus who walked with you guys and talked with you guys and ate with you guys. I'm the same Jesus who, who healed people and did miracles. I'm the same Jesus who was just here a few days ago with you guys. I'm the same Jesus that you, I asked you to pray with in the garden. And I'm the same Jesus that was nailed to the cross and I'm back. That's his message that he tells the disciples. He has an important message and he wants them to know that it's significant because it's coming from him. So how do his uh, disciples respond? Um, Verse 40. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they were still disbelieved for the joy and they were marveling, he said to them, uh, have you anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before them. So they have a hard time believing that Jesus is really back from the, the grave. And uh, it, because it's too good to be true. Okay. So it says it's because of joy that they're having a hard time to believe. You know, this is, this is God that they were just with and he's back. So they're excited. They're, they're marveling at that. And Jesus gives them a little time to kind of catch up before he, he gives them his message. And then uh, he asked for fish and he, he eats some food because ghosts don't eat food. You know, so he's, he's trying to explain to them, Hey, I'm, I'm real. All right. So after they have this kind of period where they can grasp that this is flesh and blood, Jesus, then he, he has a message for him. So look for, uh, look in verse 44. Then he said to him, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Okay, Jesus is making a huge statement here. Jesus is saying that the entire Bible, the entire scripture is about him. That is what Jesus' message is to his disciples. That's the first thing that he comes and he tells his disciples. That's his uh, message of importance to him. This is also the very first thing he says to the, to the men on the road to Emmaus. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken about. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures concerning himself. So the Bible is all about Jesus. Jesus believed this and Jesus taught this. Why is this so important for us to get? Why is it? Why does it matter that we understand that this all this book, the Old Testament, and New Testament, all is about Jesus? I think it's important because of what verse 45 says. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So why was it important? That the only way we can truly grasp what the Bible is about is to understand who it's about. You know, to understand who it's written. Who's, who are these Old Testament scriptures pointing to? We, they're pointing to a Messiah. Who is our hope? Well, our hope is found in Jesus. So that's Jesus' message. All right. Uh, he, what does it look like for someone who, who reads the Bible and knows the Bible, but doesn't understand who it's about? Um, I, I think we could look at the Pharisees for this. Um, it says in, in John 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come see me that you may have life. So Jesus tells the Pharisees, Man, you guys know your Bibles. You've, you've read through them tons of times. You can quote scripture. You can stand up there and preach. But you do not know what they're talking about because you don't know that they're pointing to me. You don't know that I am hope, that I am life. He says that they're, not, they're never going to get it until they can get that. 
You can spend countless hours studying your Bible and trying to learn what it says and trying to do what it says, but you're not going to have success in either until you meet Jesus. Christianity is all about the gospel. It is centrally focused on who Jesus is and what he said and what he did. The Bible is not about us and how we can help and help ourselves out. The Bible is about Jesus seeing our hopeless situation, stepping down and through a sinless life and sacrificial death, making a way to have peace with the Father. The Bible is all about Jesus. He is the centerpiece of our entire Bible. I don't know if you guys have got my point yet about the Bible being all about Jesus. I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious how many times I've said his name or whatever. But um, this is what Jesus is telling his disciple. And he opens their minds to understand the scripture. How does he open their minds? By showing them the gospel throughout the entire Bible. So he says, hey guys, the Bible's all about me. And it's about me, but I, you need to see it through the lens of the gospel. So whenever we read the Old Testament, we need to look for gospel truths because wherever we find the gospel, we find Jesus. So uh, that's his message to his disciples. Listen for uh, pieces of the gospel as I read through our text, starting in verse 46. And he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the name of all or in his name. To all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So right there, we see several gospel aspects right, right in our text. First, uh, it says uh, in verse 47, repentance and forgiveness of sins. Okay, so right there, we see that, that we are transgressors of a holy God, that, that we are hopeless, that we're in bondage. Okay, we're, we're sinners. We're separate. We can't be around God because of, because of that. We also see in our text the death, the burial, and the resurrection. So uh, sin is our problem. And Jesus has a solution to that. Uh, he's he's going to come. He's going to live a perfect life. And he's going to die the death that we deserved. And then he's going to raise from the grave victorious. And so that we may have that same hope. And then the last thing we see in our passage is faith and repentance. Uh, trusting in Christ and turning away from our own selfishness and our own sin. So uh, wherever we see the gospel, we see Jesus. So I, I thought of a few clear case pictures throughout the Old Testament that, um, that we can see the gospel. So I think when Jesus told them that the, the gospel, the scriptures were all about him, I don't think he just, you know, said it. I think they did a Bible study and Jesus walked through the scriptures with them and said, hey, this points to me, this points to me. So here are a few that points to Jesus. Um, the Exodus story, okay? You have uh, God's people, they're in slavery, they're in bondage, and that represents our sin the same way we are. And they're, they're in a hopeless situation but then they're delivered out of that situation. They're helped out of that. And that's what God is to us. We're all in a hopeless situation. He steps down and he delivers us. He pulls us out of an impossible situation. And that's our sin. There's a story of Isaac's sacrifice. This is probably one of the biggest pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament. Uh, you have a, a one and only son, just like Jesus. Isaac and Jesus are paralleled there. You have um, a, a father that takes his one and only son and he's, he's taking him to sacrifice him. The father carries the tools of wrath to, to put his son to death, just like uh, our heavenly father and Jesus. Uh, Isaac has to carry his own sacrificial wood up the hill. That's another just straight parallel to the cross. You see the cross all throughout this passage. And I think that that is a, a perfect picture of what Jesus did. He said, hey, they're all about me. When, when this happened in the Old Testament, this was pointing to, to what I'm going to do for you guys. And, and how does that story end? God shows up at the very end and he provides a, a sacrificial lamb. 
And, and that's what Jesus is for us. He is our sacrificial lamb. Um, another story is the, the storyline of Joseph. Uh, Joseph is a great guy. Um, he's he's a, a Christ-like character. We never see him mess up. And I'm not talking about a Joseph that works here at the church. He messes up all the time. This is a different Joseph. I'm just playing. Our Joseph's a great guy. But um, this, is, this, this Joseph, he, he constantly is knocking it out of the park. He has all these situations where he could be discontent and, and he could complain, but he doesn't. He handles them right. And that's what he, he just reflects Jesus in so many ways. He's sold into slavery. So he's, he's in a servant's role, just like Jesus was. And then he's elevated to a place of prominence like Jesus is right now, sitting at the right hand of God. And he has mercy on people who are, were sinful and, and who sinned against him, his brothers. And, and he takes them and he, uh, he, he, he treats them good. He's gracious to them, just like Jesus is to us. So um, I think those are a few uh, just places in the Old Testament. There's also, also um, Naaman who has leprosy. You know, he's in a hopeless situation, a place where he, he can't do anything. And then that's more of a story of faith and repentance of, hey, you go do this and, and this newness awaits for you. So also just all throughout the Old Testament, we see the gospel and everywhere we see the gospel, we see Jesus. So um, when we started out today, I said what I wanted to do is I wanted to see what is Jesus's priority? What is the main thing he wants us to see? What is his message to the disciple? What is his message to us? So I'm going to read through our passage one more time. And I'm just going to kind of point out the messages that Jesus has for us. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke with you while I was still with you. Everything is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So Jesus tells his disciples at first, the Bible is all about me. I fulfill everything that it speaks of and everything that it points to. So that's when he walks through those passages with them. And he says, hey, this, you guys are sinful. You need a savior. I'm that Messiah. Does Jesus do this out of arrogance or for his own benefit? No, he does it for our benefit. He does it so we can see that, hey, this is what the scripture is really about. This is where we can actually have hope. This is where we can actually get salvation. Verse 45, then he opened their mind to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Jesus' life, burial and resurrection are pointed to all throughout the Bible. It's the gospel and the gospel is our hope of salvation and Jesus fulfills that. Verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So repentance, turning from our sin and uh, forgiveness, the dismissal of our debt can only be found in one name. And that is the name of Jesus. He is our hope. Verse 48 says, you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending my promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So he says, hey, guys, this is truth. This is my message to you. I want you to tell other people about Jesus. I want you to tell other people that he is our hope. And I want you to tell other people about the gospel and that the Bible is all about him. And he says, just wait until you get the Holy Spirit. And why does he say that? Because wherever the Holy Spirit's job is to exalt Jesus, is to magnify him. So he says, wait till then and then go out and, and tell everybody. So that's, that's our message today. That was his message to them. This is a message to the man on the road to Emmaus. And I just think it's, uh, it's, it's cool to see that his priority is the Bible is all about him. And that we just really need to, to focus on getting that. And when we look at Old Testament passages, we need to look 
for those truths. We need to look for the gospel because wherever we find the gospel, we find Jesus. And wherever we find Jesus, we find hope. So pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your son and his death and his resurrection. God, we know that, that your, your word, it points to that again and again and again. And, and I'm glad it does, God, because we need to see that you are our only hope. You are our salvation. And in you, we find truth. I just pray that you would just help us to, to all see this. Help us to, to find these things in the Bible that point to you. And I pray that, that our lives would point to you and glorify you in all that we do. In your name we pray. Amen.